classes are going to go to their rooms and we are going to turn to the book of Psalms. Psalm 78. God bless you for all you do. I need your prayers. I appreciate them. They mean a lot to me right now and I am praying for you. Psalm 78. Thank you, Lord. God's so good. Maybe I'll get these out of the way a little bit too. Tend to move around a little bit, or maybe a little more than a little bit. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for prayer. Thank you that we can come before you boldly and know that we have a place to, Lord, that you would hear us. Lord, that you care about our needs. You care about your children when we cry, when we hurt, Lord, when we have needs. Lord, you are touched, your word is said, by the feelings of our infirmities. God, now I pray that you just lead us today. Give us, Lord, your strength, your direction through your word, Lord. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. God, bless it to our hearts. Help me, Lord, to just stay out of your way. And, Lord, speak to every heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Psalm 78, verse 37. We read this to you last week. It says, For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he... Aren't you thankful for what the Lord does when we are weak? But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity, destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. God bless you. You can be seated. Taking a little bit of time, uh, really in a thought, a series, if you will. Sometimes I've done series, you know, Sunday morning series or Sunday evening series. But we've just kind of been in this thought every service. Talking about how in the Old Testament these stories, these accounts are given to us as examples And really a picture, in one sense, of what God wants to do in us and through us. See, when the children of Israel were captive, they were in bondage, slaves in Egypt. And they cried out to God that he would rescue them. We see that used in the New Testament, that same idea that we are lost before we meet Jesus. We are bound in the slavery of sin. The chains and the bondage unto what the enemy of our soul wants for our lives. But as we call on God, he will deliver us. He'll set us free, rescue us from an old life. And he's got a place for us. He's got a plan for us. One of the greatest things I was able to share with someone even recently saying, you know, what's the big deal? I can be a good person. I can live right, I can treat my neighbor good, and I can do, uh, you know, do what I was taught as a young, uh, a young child to, to, to behave myself. Uh, do I really need God? Do I really need uh, this salvation? And can I tell you, it's so much more than that. It, it, it's not just a way that we can behave and get along. I'm not saying that's not in there some. But the idea that God took my life and gave it purpose put meaning in it, gave it direction. That, that's something that even today, after many years of being a child of God, it, it just blows my mind. 
it, it gives me a, a, a satisfaction, a, a fulfillment, if you will, to wake up in the morning and say, God, you've got a plan for me. Lord, you, you, you have me in a place where you want me to, all the things I see around the world, I, I don't waste a lot of time complaining about it. I'm not saying I don't see it and I don't talk about it, but I am more interested in saying, okay, God, I see it out there. I see the, 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 how, how it's affecting the world, the nation, my community, my family. Amen. I, I see how the enemy is putting everything in line. What's my, what's my place in it? How can I be the light in all this darkness? See, God's put his people. He's put us here. He's put you where you are to be a light, to be a help, to be a positive influence in him. And some days I don't know exactly just how that's going to all pan out. Some days I get my mind thinking about how great it's going to be and how somebody's just going to change like that. But you know what? All I can do is sow a little seed and shine a little light and amen and let God take care of the rest. Bible says God took them in the Old Testament out of that place of bondage, of slavery, did it through the blood of the Passover lamb. Jesus is our Passover lamb. His blood gets us out of the old life of sin. And he had a place, he said, I'm going to take you to a promised land. Going to take you to a land that's, he says, flowing with milk and honey. That's blessings. That, that's God's goodness. I, I, you're not going to be a slave anymore. You're not going to be in bondage to your own desires and everything that just brings out the worst in you and pulls you down. But I've got a place where I'm going to kind of make you a city. Set on, I'm going to show you off to this world and they're going to say, I want what you've got. Amen. It's not because you're smart. It's not because you're, you're, you're strong. It's because of me in you. The Bible says when they got to the border of the promised land, they, they kind of wimped out. <laughs> they, they got their eyes on their own weakness. They got their eyes on their own inability. And they said, we can't. We can't do it. And the Bible says that they weren't supposed to trust in their own strength. They just need to keep their faith in God, keep moving forward. But uh, it angered God. It, it upset God. You'll see that through this book on Psalms. And it says here, we're kind of taking this idea from Psalm 78, verse 41, that they limited, they limited God. They limited the Holy One of Israel. Now, you can't take one bit of God's power away from him. He's almighty. He can do anything, everything. He won't lie. But he can do anything. He's all powerful, the Bible says, all power on heaven, in heaven and earth. But the Bible says they limited him. Their, their unbelief, their, their struggles limited God. But what we've been looking at is when we look at God and say, ah, we can't do it. Ah, it's too much. It's too, it's too big a battle. It's too, too hard of a, of a road I'm on. And I, I can't, uh, we're not really taking any bit of his power from him. But when it says they limited God, what they were in effect doing is taking his power from themselves to do what God wanted them to do. God could still do it, but they limited what God could do for them. So in effect, we could say they were limiting themselves. Never really having the best. And I see this now in our day, I see people who God does a miracle for them. God does great things for them. And God really gets them out of that old life and gives them hope and gives them help and rescues them. But then they live this life kind of wandering in the wilderness of their own, their own ways and really don't see the power and the, 
this is the magnificence of God working in their lives. And a lot of people, I hate to say it, but it's so true. A lot of people that call themselves Christians, they're not really living a victorious life. They're not really living a life. They're still, you know, they're, they're not doing what they used to do, but they're still depressed. They're not doing what they used to do, but they still get so angry when things don't go their way and, and kind of start acting like they used to be. Amen. They don't really, they don't really have the victory that God called them to, and they don't really have that light shining out of them. See, you know, anybody, I didn't need God to be nice to people that were nice to me. That's easy. I don't need God to, to, to be excited when things are exciting. Something has to be wrong with me not to be excited when things are exciting. When everything's going my way, I'm getting a bonus or this, you know, oh, wow, I'm, uh, thank you, Jesus. I'm just excited. I can't wait to give God all the glory. And then a little something happens. And where's all that glory go? You see that in, if you follow through the Old Testament, the children of Israel that came out of Egypt, every time there's a, there's a challenge. Every time there's a battle, every time there's an adversity, they're complaining, they're grumbling, they're, they're just acting miserable. And too many Christians have this kind of wilderness experience with God. They have a testimony of what God did for them. But if you look at their lives today, they're limited, severely limited, never living in God's victory that he has for them. We have already preached three messages on this. Last Sunday morning, we preached about how stubbornness limits us. Stubbornness limits us. We, we read out, out of this uh, chapter in Psalm 78 where God's people that were following him, when he said, come on, let's go, they, they, they got stubborn. They knew man, God had proven himself over and over again. He'll do that if you let him. He'll show you. He'll be there for you. He'll show you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He didn't say he wouldn't take you through troubles, didn't say he wouldn't take you through adversity, but he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you and I'll enable you to get through it. But every time they would come to that adversity, they got stubborn and, and said, no way. Bible uses a lot of different terms for that. Bible, King James Bible uses hard-hearted, stiff-necked. But really what it is is knowing what's right, knowing what you need to do, knowing how, how, how you need to follow God, knowing it might not be easy, but I'm going to trust him and he's already proven it. But you refuse and say, I, I just won't. And people are limiting God in their lives. They're limiting themselves. I refuse. I refuse to allow stubbornness to limit my life. Every one of us has that ability, myself included. Say, I know what I'm doing. Don't tell me what to do. But you know what? If you just say, God, I, I need help every day. The Apostle Paul just is a great man of God's victory and all the trouble and problems he went through. But he realized when he was able to admit his own weakness and his own self, that's when he was the strongest. When he knew it's not in my strength, but I got to lean on God and don't get stubborn and limit yourself in God's will. Let God lead you. Let God be easy. Let it be easy for God to say, you know what? You need to stop that direction and go in this direction. Right. Amen. I'm just telling you this. I'm going to be very clear. This is what gets me in trouble most of the time. I just don't, I don't care for, I don't care if you're a, pre a preacher, don't manipulate people. And I'm just going to tell you up front, this is things that I've seen people do. I'm giving you kind of the, the, the top ten list, if you will. I don't know if there will be ten uh, or less or more, but I'm telling you the things I've seen people just get stuck and, 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 and never really be anything that God wanted them to be because they limit themselves. And one of the number one things is stubbornness. 
They, ne- they get to church and they want to hold on to things they've always held on to. I've always been that way. And you're not, you're not keeping me up at night. It's not, I'm not the one that wants you to be blessed. I mean, I do, but it's God. God wants you to be free from the things that are binding you and hurting you. And you can hold on to things all you want, but you're hurting yourself. Sunday night last week, we talked about how easily some people are affected. Their attitudes are affected because of other people. You know, now situations are tough, but people, man, they can be really tough, right? You can admit that here. It's all right. Say, I thought we were Christians. (laughs) We love everybody. Oh, we do. We do. We want to see everybody say, but there's a lot of folks we don't like how they're living. Especially when it comes against you. Amen. It makes it tough for you. The devil, you know, Jesus turned around, looked at Peter, and it would have been better for him to say, yeah, I don't really like the way you're doing this, Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. So sometimes, you know, we, we deal with things that are, we love people, but, but uh, we can't let our attitudes be affected. People come to church, and I can't worship God. Why? Oh, my wife was being so rotten this morning, and uh, you wouldn't sell anybody that. My husband was this and that and all. And and don't let that affect your attitude. Have something better than that. We talked about the Holy Ghost giving you strength and power to overcome. Be stronger than than, than the wrong that's being done against you. You don't have to treat other folks wrong because you've been treated wrong. You don't have to treat God wrong because you've been treated wrong. In this world, you know, you're going to be treated wrong. There's going to be people that don't have a lot of sense. And, but you can't, you got to have something stronger than that that doesn't affect your attitude. And we spent a whole service on that Sunday night. And Wednesday night, Sunday night we said, I refuse to be limited by the attitude of others. And then Wednesday night we talked about being affected uh, by our own self-pity. See, there's a lot in this Bible. There's a lot in this Bible about how much we need rescued and how weak we are and how we struggle. But there is a walk with God that if you'll surrender to him, you don't have to keep living in this state of failure. You can rise above that and and be excited about winning some victories. You can make some choices because God gives you the power, enables you to win some battles. It just seems like a large portion of uh, of preaching and testimonies and, and, and even Christian music is just about how I just never do anything right. And I'm always just all the time, just always just a mess. And Get your Bible out and start reading what these people had to deal with and how God, God has enabled us to overcome a lot of self-pity, just, wor- just, just feeling so miserable and worthless and... That's no way to have a walk with God. You have had it tough. Don't get me wrong. You have been through a lot. And the Bible does talk about being rescued by him. And whenever you stumble, he's there to help you. But don't don't refuse to be limited by self-pity. Get up and fight a little harder. Get up and trust God a little bit more. Learn from what you've been through and keep moving on. But I want we want to that's that's enough review. Let's turn to second Corinthians four. I want to talk about something I see people limiting themselves. And it breaks my heart. I think any real child of God breaks their heart to see somebody who has potential to live a life that is a blessing. 
to live a life that is full of joy and peace and the love of God and and that God is number one in their lives and, and nothing else can pull them back or down into anything. And it, it, it's hard to see you miss out on what God has for you. Praise God. When, when God's paid for you to have so much more, drive around in something that's just always breaking down. Amen. Let, let God bless you with a life that is blessed. Amen. Second Corinthians 4, verse 16 says, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish. That tells me that God's word is telling us through Paul that the outward battles that we face are happening. They're real. The outward man perishes. Something else has to be motivating us. Something else has to be going on if we're gonna, if we're gonna make it and we're gonna be everything God wants us to be. We're gonna have to have more than just a response to all the outward problems that we face. It says the outward man perish, but yet, rather, the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction. Now, I'm probably always stop when I read this because, you know, if you were telling me, you know, nothing, this, what we're going through and what we're facing, it's, it's just light affliction. We're going to be all right. I'd, I'd say, well, you know, uh, yeah, God's going to help us. But when Paul says our light affliction, I say, wow, I want, I want to make sure I've got what you've got renewing your strength. Because Paul talking about light affliction dealt with some battles dealt with serious persecution. He dealt with serious problems that I can honestly say I, I don't know that any of us have really uh, had to go through a lot of what Paul had to go through. So why does he say light affliction? Why, how can he call it uh, light affliction? Well, he's comparing it to something. Amen. It's light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory while we look not at things which are seen but at the things which are not seen so paul you've uh you've been in prison for your faith uh, not only in prison but a lot of your friends refuse to come visit you while you're in prison and, and and you've been beaten too and and people have lied about you and and he goes down a list of the many many things that he faced and he says it's really light affliction compared to what i see that's not seen the purpose of God working through my life. If you're going to keep going, you're going to have to understand. How did David, we talked about this, I think, Wednesday night a little bit. How did David walk out there, a young man that he was, against a Goliath with a, his armor and his sword and, and his shield. And David's out there with a sling like a, like a little shepherd boy. How did he do that? He said how he did it. Is there not a cause? I've got a purpose. I've got a cause that's bigger than the giant. I got something in me that is the will of God that's going to help work through me and do something greater. Again, let me say, as much as you can look at all the events of this generation and how messed up it is, get your focus on the fact that you're a part of the light. You're a part of the solution. You've got the cause. Hallelujah. Our light affliction is but for a moment goes on in verse 18, while we look not at things which are seen, things which are not seen, things which are te- not 
For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary, but things which are not seen are eternal. I want to focus in on that first verse, the latter part of that first verse, our inward man. Not only what it's focused on, but look what's happening here is renewed. Somebody say renewed. It's renewed day by day. Now, I told you something last week. It's not real pretty, but it's the truth. We've got a, a, a natural illustration, if you will. The Bible talks about our will and what we desire and everything that's kind of contrary to the will of God that fights against us. We're going to get to that in a minute, but we see it, the Bible uses the term flesh, the will of the flesh. And uh, when we think about flesh in the natural, we think about our, our natural bodies. And, and God has built in kind of a picture of uh, of a weakness that's there. The weakness is you can go ahead and take the best, most thorough shower of your lifetime. And tomorrow you say, well, I did real good yesterday. I should be all right till next Saturday, whether I need it or not. Can I tell you something? Your flesh has a tendency to just go ahead and and get dirty. That idea of being clean is something you've got to maintain. You got to keep after it. It's going to get dirty whether you uh, go looking for getting dirty or not. Yeah. And that dirt, let's just be honest, is after a while, you're not going to just, uh, you're, you're going to stand out in the crowd. People are going to notice when you walk in the room with all for all the wrong reasons. Isn't that right? Because dirt breeds stank. And, and, and you need to recognize that, that, and after a while we told you about it, how it, it's, after a while it's, it's not healthy. You're going you're gonna to get pretty sick because all the germs that live in that filth, amen. It's not best for you. But what I'm doing is I want to tell you our nature, our hearts without Jesus, you can clean them up. But you got to keep them clean. Uh, before I get there, think about how important it is. You know, I said, well, I, oh, wow. What, can, do you remember what you had for dinner? I don't want to get you distracted. I know food will distract. But uh, it, maybe you had a real good meal yesterday and it just 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 satisfied. Got got such a stuff. Can't eat another bite. Uh, Brother Campbell, a friend of mine used to say, oh, we get done eating a meal. He was a big, a big man. And he'd get done. He'd say, oh, I hate food. And that didn't last very long. Especially if uh, just a couple minutes later somebody said, well, we got ice cream. And he'd say, well, that just fills in the cracks. We could have ice cream. So, but you know, come breakfast time, what happened to that whole idea where I can't eat another bite? God made us in a way we've got to continue to be fed. God made us in a way that it's not just enough for you to say, oh, wow, last Monday I ate so good. And, oh, it was it was tremendous. And and just keep talking about that meal. It doesn't satisfy you today. Let me tell you one more illustration. Relationships. Friendships. You can't just say we had a really good conversation a month ago. And if I change my mind, you know what? I'll let you know. If you're going to have a friendship, if you're going to have a good relationship with somebody, you can't neglect that and still say it's a good relationship. You've got to keep after that. Amen. So many other things we can look at in our lives. As a child of God, it's not his will that we have one awesome, amazing life 
life-changing experience with God. And then we go out in this world full of dirt, full of what the enemy's doing. Hello? Full of temptation, full of problems. Just go our way and say, you know what? Oh, you know what? When I was 12, I really had experience with God. And listen to me. I don't care how close you got to God. The Bible talks about a renewing. Talks about a renewing. Look at in, uh, in the book of Acts. It's really a historic account of the example that the first early church had with their walk with God. And in Acts, the second chapter, God pours out the Holy Ghost. God pours his power into the church. It was given at, at the beginning there. And the Bible tells us that just, just a few days later, they're going through some battles. They're going through some adversity. That's what happens. Amen. You're going to face battles. You're going to face adversity. And the Bible says they all got together. They start praying together. Acts 4.31. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. What? I thought they were filled with the Holy Ghost. I thought that already happened. Why say it again? Because it's a new experience, a new day. It's a renewing of the inward man. What I see in Christians that have been helped and blessed and doing good and See, when you come to God, it's just a, it's a birth. There's a lot of learning. There's a lot of growing. There's a lot of, like life, there's going to be some battles. You're going to learn how to get through them and get better through them. You can't stagnate. You can't just, just say, well, I got something good. I'm going to, you know, like we try to say with the little, little children, oh, we just keep them like that. You can't. And that's not fair to them. That's pretty selfish. Oh, but they're gonna, they're gonna face times where they, they stub the toes and they touch something hot. They're gonna, they're gonna face all this problem. I, I wish I could just save them from that. That's life. They have to learn how to face those problems and keep growing. Be a better person for that. A lot of people don't. A lot of people just kind of hang on to this mentality. It's not fair. It's not fair that that stove was hot and it was right there in front of me. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> You know, children that grow up and don't want to take responsibility for their own actions, right? But if you recognize, I know how I got here, I got to continue to renew myself. Amen. I, I thank God for good memories. I thank God for, for, for times we can go back and look and say, wasn't that a special time? Wasn't that a special time? But you got to keep making special times. You got to keep making that happen. Amen. My best days aren't behind me. Amen. My best days aren't haven't already happened. Praise God. I'm thanking God for the life God's given me today. I thank God for what he has done. But our walk with God needs to continue not only to be renewed, but you'll find the more you come into his presence, the more you continue to seek him, the more you continue to to follow him, the greater that will grow and mature. Amen. The nature of our relationship with God, so often I see you in people, they get something good and then they just, boom, that's it. They park themselves where they are and they don't ever, they limit themselves. And I want to tell you something. We're not going to take the time to turn to it. But just like all those other 
examples I gave you? If I say, well, you know, my my relationship with my my dear wife, you know, that's just it was so good. And we're just going to we're not going to mess with it. <laughs> we don't want I don't want to say the wrong thing. Kind of like that guy that hit his talent. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to mess anything up. I did something really nice several years back and just not going to mess with it. Is it going to stay the way it was? And I was thinking about that manna. The Bible says when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, God provided this supernatural food for them called manna. And he said, you know what? It's, it's going to be amazing. But you get enough for what you need today because tomorrow you need fresh manna. Somebody thought they'd be smart and disobey God and do it their way. Ah, it's not all that. So they got more manna than they needed and saved some for tomorrow, stuck it in the fridge, so to speak, and went back later, and it stank. And it was wormy. A lot of times people come to God, and, and they can continue to talk about what God did for them, what they used to be, and they think that's an amazing testimony. But you're not hearing what you're not saying, which is, what about today? Where are you today? You need renewed. I refuse to live on yesterday's victories and limit God for today. Yeah, but things are getting worse. Sure they are, but God's not still able to overcome everything we got. Turn to Revelation, the second chapter, Revelation 2. God told the church here in Ephesus something just so helpful for us today. Revelation 2. I refuse to limit myself by saying, hey, my best days are behind me. My greatest miracles, my greatest experience with God already happened. You say, yeah, but things have changed. God hasn't changed. God's not saying, oh, I wish I could bless you. But you see what the devil did this week? You see all that evil that's been going on? I'll tell you what. I mean, be happy you got a little bit when you did. What? Come on, God's not weak. Revelation 2, verse 1, Unto the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now, he explained that in the chapter before. Let's move on. I know thy works. He's talking to the church now. He's saying, I know. And already it's kind of positive. I know what you're doing. I hope it's positive. I know what you're doing. The labor, thy patience, how thou canst bear them that are, which are evil, and thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles and are not, has found them to be liars. This is just great over and over and over again. Here's, here's just great things you're doing. I see it. I, I recognize all that you're doing. Has borne and has paid. You're carrying the load. You have, you're patient. For my name's sake, you've labored and not fainted. That just sounds, what a great testimony. God is writing a, a letter to the church and saying, I see everything you're doing. I wonder how many can say today, that's me. That's what I'm doing. I'm laboring and I'm carrying, I, I'm helping and I'm carrying my share of the load. And I'm a blessing to those around. I know the difference between right and wrong and I seek out the best. 
But he still goes on and says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because all the labor and all the patience and all the knowing the difference between right and wrong. He said, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. I have to be honest with myself. You have to be honest with yourself. When I look at my life, is God my first love? Hello? I, 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 do, I do feel like I, I can't just go ahead and, and rule it out. I feel like there's, there's applications here that, number one, I need to look at the love that I had when I first came to him. And that I haven't lost that. Well, let me say it this way because I kind of used the wrong word there. He didn't say you lost it because when you lose something, you don't know where it is. You left it. You left it. You walked away from your first love. Do I pray like I once did? Are the things of God important to me like they once were? Do I, is he number one in my life? Do I defend that place for him in my life? People are more passionate about who's going to win the game tonight than they are about Jesus in their life. How sad that passion needs to be on God. Amen. I don't want to, I don't want to leave that. But I also have to look every day and say, God, are you still first in my life? Are you still the most important thing? Say, well, I could say anything. What's the evidence point to? What's the evidence point to? I heard it preached to me many times. Could you be, you know, could, could you be found guilty of just loving Jesus with all your life if the evidence were given to the courtroom? It's, I can say anything. Nevertheless, I've somewhat against thee. This is Jesus talking to the church. I have all these good things that you have in your life. I hope you do. But if you have all that labor, you just labor, you do something for God. You're you're loving God, you're serving God, you're helping every chance you get to the kingdom of God. But you can do that without your first love. And he said, remember, one of the most serious words that God has ever put in his Bible is remember. One place he told him, remember Lot's wife. She came out of a place that was going to be judged. She came out of a Sodom, but she looked back. Remember, as God told in his story about a man that went to hell, he said, remember, remember what you had, the opportunity you had. Remember all the chances you had. Remember how blessed you were. What you do with it? Remember. But here Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a chance. Remember from whence thou hast fallen. Remember the love that you had. You can say, well, I still love God. Let's be honest. Let's not be selfish. If I was having this conversation with my wife or with anyone, I'd say, I still love you. Yeah, but I'd like to know it. I'd like to see a little bit more. It's not what it was. These ideas, well, I'm not completely backslid. What? It's not what God's talking about. He's saying, I want you to be your first love. See, all this idea of what a Christian is and what we do, it's important we got to do some things. we got to live some things. We ought to be different. But, but if we do it without just a God is first in our lives. He said, remember from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. Get back to where you fell off track. Get back.
back to where you started, to where it was everything, and he was number one. Get back. Do the first verse, or else. Whoo. Daddy ever say, or else, do you? <laughs> or else. I know people don't think this is, oh, that's that Old Testament God. You know, he's always throwing, uh, throwing uh, getting ready to throw lightning bolts. That's, uh, that's Zeus. That's not a Bible. <laughs> He was amazing God in the Old Testament. You just missed that part because you watch too many movies. But the New Testament, Jesus is speaking. He said, get back to your first love. Repent or else. Or else I will come unto thee quickly. In an hour you think not. And remove thy candlestick out of it. Go remove that church, that place of safety for you. Take it out of your life. Or take it completely out. Except thou repent. I refuse to be limited in my walk with God because I don't have the time to today say, God, you're everything to me. See, God proves himself so good. The Bible talks about he daily loads us with blessings and benefits and just overtakes us with them over and over again. The life you got up this morning and you breathed his air. You got up this morning and you had a ha, have health in your body. You've got got uh, some some leftovers in the refrigerator. You've got a sound mind to a certain degree. God's good to you. God's good to you. Don't let him be second in your life. Don't let him be third in your life. Don't let don't let him be off there in the corner. If I need him, I know where to get him. He says, remember. Where you fell and come back to me. I want that first love. Can we bow our heads in prayer, please? I know it's still kind of early, but I feel like. God's already talked to us. People are limited today. They're not living the life that God called them to live. The victory. The blessings. They're not living the. That joy and that peace in their hearts. The Bible talks about just being tossed to and fro. So often because, you know, you knew how to really get a hold of God. Not just whispering a prayer here and there, but really coming into the presence of God and letting him renew you. Really getting into the word of God and letting that talk to you. Get into the house of God regularly and, and, and letting it just wash over you presence of God, the word of God. But so often we we look back and we say, well, I I did love him and I I I I have had a relationship with him. But where is it today? Really? Where is it? Oh, hallelujah. I wonder while we're praying, while we're reaching out to God, this altar's open. You want to come pray? You want to come to gather around here and just search your own heart? The Bible talks about being renewed. Renewed in His Spirit. Maybe you had a relationship. Maybe something was good in your life at one time, but you kind of got stale. It's time. It's time to come back to Him. It's time to renew yourself in Him. It's time to bring that relationship up to date. It's time to just know that He's still the same God. He cares about you.
is going to help you every step of the way. The Bible says, how can we escape if we neglect His great salvation? I don't want to neglect it. I want to draw near to Him daily. Bible still tells us what it takes. Jesus said to repent. It means to turn away from an old life. It means to turn to Him with faith. It means to let the old life behind you. Let go of the things that are binding you. Let go of the things. Let God set you free. Turn to Him. Put your confidence and trust in Him. Let the old life die. We bury that old life, the Bible says. We were baptized in Jesus' name. We bury that life. It's no longer yours. You don't need to worry about it any longer. And He'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. He'll fill you with His power. Give you the strength day by day. And you can have a walk with Him today that's just as good as it's ever been. If you'll renew yourself. So many other scriptures, so many other verses about being renewed. Being renewed in Have thine own way. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence here tonight, today, Lord. Thank you for your help. Thank you for, Lord, the blessings that you you have for us, God. Help us, Lord, never to just take them for granted, but always draw closer, closer to you. Lord, you know every battle that your people are facing. You know what they're going through, but Lord, you have what we need to be overcomers. Help us to put our confidence in you. And, Lord, to see you take us through. God, we love you so much again. Bless your people now. Keep us safe as we travel, God. Bless each one. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. So good to see you.